Soon to be followed by some hot Vietnamese sandwiches. Vietnamese sandwiches? Yeah. I thought it's you said Vietnamese sandwiches. A... And I'm like, whatever, you've had freaking sausage before. <laughs> you know what it is. I've had Vietnamese sandwiches before as well. They're pretty much the same as normal sandwiches. They just put cilantro on it. Oh, snap. And pickles. Cilantro. Oh. Carrots. Boo to that. Pickled carrots? Pickled carrots. Yeah. They're good. The I chicken. Guess. They do quite well. They get like just this light of, lightest hint. This Asian-y mayonnaise does wonders. asian mayonnaise? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what they do to it. They put their Asian spices in it. It's a secret. To make it's a secret s- technique. It's like it's like a you know a killing art in Fist of the North Star. Show me yeah. your secret technique, Asian mayonnaise. Oh no, it's too delicious. Well, this will Rawr. kill you, but not for a while. Yeah, it, yeah, it'll kill you. <laughs> it'll, Mostly you know. with high blood pressure. There's a, there's a lot of stuff. Oh, here, my man. heart is, is thumping from the Asian mayonnaise. <laughs> I feel like in a, in. 25, 30 years, I'm going to have to go see a doctor about this. That's like uh, the touch of death. It's like the dude got the touch of death, and then he died 18 years later, but he knew it was because yeah. of the touch of death. It's like, really? Knowing the real legend behind that makes it seem significantly less impressive. Yeah. Or frankly, what has been portrayed. Yeah. I'm more interested in the touch of death that allows me to, to break bricks, a la Frank Dukes. Break bricks. Three bricks down from the brick you hit. That's power. It's true power. That might not even be possible. But it was in Frank Dukes' autobiography. <laughs> I'm not a serial liar, and here's how I'll show you why. <laughs> oh. I'm a ninja. I've just really let myself go yeah. of late. Ninjas don't have to work um, out. I'm actually a superhuman. And much like many people have speculated, if Superman were on Earth, it would be incredibly hard for him to stay in shape because nothing would offer any resistance to his body. Yeah. You can't work out if you're Superman. It's true. What are you going to work out on? You'd have to bench press the Earth. (laughs) Which would be really bad for the Earth, considering that, you know, it arrived in this position around the sun after billions of years of careful positioning. You got to... Get oh, a weight bench into speaking of the position orbit. of the Earth, have you heard the latest news that scientists have discovered another uh, a planet that is sort of perfect, perfectly situated around its star to support water, and so it might I be a like a life preserving planet or life could grow there. And unfortunately, is this in relation? Oh, what? Go ahead. Well, I was just going to point out that scientists, after the whole Torosaurus debacle, have once again screwed the pooch on naming something. Because they've named a planet capable of supporting water, not necessarily life, but they think it can support water, a Goldilocks planet. Because it's just right. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. Oh, my God. And I'm just (laughs) like, are you serious? What about Class M? Why can't we have Class M planets? Star Trek has already provided us with a universally recognized, you know. one, One second before you said that, I was like, Goldilocks? It's yeah. Oh no! <laughs> it's totally lame. Scientists, what are you thinking? That's because they spend all their time being smart and doing science. Let's go. They don't have anybody on PR. The last book they read for fun was Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Then it was all you know, straight up chemistry and four. physics. Yeah. 
Yeah. I always enjoyed the and story because it like... was fanciful. Not unlike helium in certain combinations. Ha ha. Yeah. Ha ha. It, like when you swallow it, it makes your breath all high. Something about the pressure in your lungs being lower <laughs> than the pressure in the world around you. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know. Like, you could even just call it, we've discovered a planet that might have water on it. Or just like an extremely technical term. That would have been better than Goldilocks planet. I mean, I don't know if it's yeah. because scientists are terrible at naming things, or they just assume that the general public is incredibly dumb, especially given the <laughs> yeah. American populace's attitude towards science. You know? I just don't get it. It's the worst name ever, scientists. I'm very disappointed. I wonder what Class M planet stands for. It stands is for it this was in Star Trek, and everybody well, would understand it immediately. All the people who care about this would understand it immediately, and they'd start high-fiving each other. Because they'd like, you know, Class M Planet. Now I can sit in my Captain Kirk chair and say we know about one of those. Apparently it comes from the Vulcan term Minshara. But I does, it does not go on to explain what that means. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's sort of an invitation into something even nerdier. Yeah. It's like, oh no, this is just a, a reference to the Vulcan. Minshara. I'm not going to explain that or it, footnote it because you should know what that means. In Mass Effect, they called them garden planets, and it took me a while to really grasp that, because I was like, this doesn't look much like a garden, <laughs> and the description says it's like people can only live at the equator because the rest of the planet is covered with rampaging ice storms. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love like, sound much like a garden to me. I love the water planets in Mass Effect. It's like people can't live there as long as they're at the bottom of the ocean because the surface is constantly tormented by giant hurricanes. Um, I'm going to go into a, a maybe a bit of a spoiler here. I played the... It's not a big deal spoiler. The DLC. I played the most... Yeah, the most recent DLC. And... Isn't that like as Lair you of know, the Shadow Master yeah, or something? Because it is called Lair of the Shadow Broker, you should assume that at some point you will visit the Lair of the Shadow Broker. <laughs> Dave, so I, don't I don't know. This isn't, too much are you sure a... it's not like There Will Be Blood? In which, you know, there is blood at the end, but they never say the title of the movie ever. And it's not like named after a main <laughs> character. I like it when they reference the title of a movie. The director of Looks that Looks like there was blood. Yeah. <laughs> well, there still is. It's still on the floor. Yeah. The director of that but, uh, movie's so whole reason for not naming it that, apparently, is that he had a friend who, whenever they would, like, say the name of a movie in the movie or something, he would just, like, start cheering and clapping in the theater. I imagine, ironically. Yeah, I would do that, but with no hint of irony. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Airbud, I love it. Because He's uh, a dog that plays basketball. This is MVP. hilarious. Most valuable private. Yes. Um, I know. I just like it because movies that say their own title are usually the stupidest movies ever, and those are usually my favorite movies. As if, as if, if we were playing Deadly Premonition as I was, and the main character stopped and said, "Hold on, I'm getting a premonition." A deadly premonition, which they might as well. But uh, so in the in this DLC, the planet that the Shadow Broker is hiding out on is a planet that's it, like slightly behind another planet and constantly in no, shadow. No, you wish. No, it's not that literal. Okay, his planet. It is. It it flash freezes every night and then turns into like 
molten lava every day. So it's kind of like the planet from Chronicles of Riddick, except that you also can't be there at nighttime. And <laughs> so how is he hiding out this, there? Well, there's this t- the tiniest window where the horizon is, where it's not super hot or super freezing. Oh, and there's also lightning storms all the time. So he's got this special ship that's made to travel through the lightning storms and is just constantly following the sunset. Huh. He couldn't just bury himself underground? I guess when you go underground, everything gets molten, too. And frankly, if you have a ship that's capable of interstellar travel, I think you can handle the heat. I think you don't really need to hide out on the super terror planet. It's like, my ship's capable of interstellar travel. If somebody finds me, I can just run away. (laughs) That's true. Well, I guess, you know, it's it's nice to have a home. A terrifying, frozen, molten lava home. It's like, yeah, ah, I don't know. the sound of horror. He's like, like listen, in the, in the I, I, didn't work my, <laughs> I didn't work my ass off for five decades to become the world's premier information broker to live on some normal planet when there's plenty of planets out there that are molten lava on one side and ice on the other and there's lightning storms. How does well, there's really only one of those planets, and it's mine. <laughs> Maybe that's like the ultimate in prestige. It's like I'm just—I could have any planet in the entire galaxy, and I chose this shitty one. What are yeah. you gonna do about it? <laughs> My ship costs twenty billion mega creds. <laughs> oh no, that gun I bought only cost eighty thousand creds. I can't even imagine a number that high. I don't even know why they call him the Shadow Broker. I feel like that's a a bad name. Because he's shadowy. Yes, and but it's like... Broker's stuff. It's I mean, I guess I literal. understand it. Like, he's in the shadow and he's broker. Like, he's brokering things, deals, I guess. I don't know. It what, sounds do you, like, what would you call him? Quelth not Sarut? Maybe. I don't know. I'd make up some kind of alien name for him. That would be cool. Like, if you were so renowned that there was some name for you in a native language that wasn't your own. Yeah, kinda yeah, like, that would be pretty awesome. I feel like, like they do that in Star Trek a lot. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, exactly like Muad'Dib. <laughs> I just call that's him that. when you know you're Kobe. Yeah, that's how you know you're rolling in it. It's like check out my suit. That's, that, that's like the rap star. Check out thing my still in the future. Suit. Yeah, it's like you just have like this is my gold chain that has my name from another planet on it, bitches. <laughs> It's not How you my like home me planet. now? It's, yeah, it's not my home planet. I've never even been there. They just know about me. Well, I, I have been there. I led a rebellion against the people that murdered my father. But can I be real? They tried to kill my father, yo. Oh, wow. I just glanced back at this Wikipedia article for Class M Planets because I saw the world Goldilocks. They've added maybe it to the wiki? Something, that well, was maybe fast. this is something that, was, uh, that they've been using for a while. Or theoretically, thinking, just thinking that maybe one day they'll be able to say Goldilocks. Yeah, but it's just like, it's such a bad name. Like, when we meet, an, if we ever do meet life on another planet, I pray they never find out what we called their planet before we got maybe there. Maybe it's just because to intimidate Because that's going to be them. the reason they annihilate us. It's oh, like, we yeah. have read the story of your Goldilocks. We find this name demeaning and insulting. Taste our death rays. Vulcan's a pretty good name for a planet. You know, we just call you Goldilocks, <laughs> which is the name of a six-year-old girl. I mean, whatever. Don't <laughs> worry a, about it. I'm put sure on you're this still wig, cool, Goldilocks. Vulcan. Like, I don't think so, guys. <laughs> it's psychological warfare. We got to take them out before they can get us. 
That's Ponfar right there, right then and there. They're just going to make up the ritual so they can hit us with sharp things. <laughs> but it's not even like a real I thing. You are misusing the Ponfar. <laughs> That's they don't show you at the beginning of the episode when Kirk eats Spock's lunch for like the umpteenth time. Yeah. And he's like, I need to make up oh. a ritual so I can beat his ass on my home world. Well, man, that's why they need to get him one of those little, like, stress men that you squeeze. Because if you bottle up those emotions for long enough, it's just going to just gonna boil over. Yeah. You're going to explode in a torrent of half-Vulcan rage. Yes. Let me read an email to you. It's a short one. Really? It's two questions. All of our emails are First, short. I, they never go over a paragraph. I mean, I'm sure probably one of the ones I've starred has, but I always just pick one at random. <laughs> okay, eventually we're going to get this, like, epic email, and you're going to start yeah. reading it. It's going to be like, oh, my and gosh. People can write an email. People can be like, dissect the greater themes of Deadly Premonition. <laughs> it is so retarded. <laughs> but it is kind of awesome, but it is, like, so just on the line. It's like, you're just stupid enough. To still be awesome, but if you have one more atrocious combat sequence, you're going straight into actually terrible and not so bad it's good. Oh, those kind of games, though. Those are the ones, man. They walk the razor's edge. Dude, it's crazy. Uh, I almost feel like I should give it to you when we meet up for Scabs' wedding, wedding so we can talk about it in depth. It is like... How much it does is it like cost? It's like awful Shenmue. It's like 20 bucks. I'll go buy but it. Don't worry about bringing it. I don't imagine I'm going to I'm going to ever play it again. I'm on like the last <laughs> level. Okay. Well, in that case, and I'll just get it back from you like I have the other 500 things I've left in your keeping. Dude, even when you were at my house years. and I told you, I've got a I box know. of your stuff in the basement. I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I realized it like as we were on the train back to New York. I was like, <laughs> Oh, someday. That's fine. Um, our buddy Ian, who you've met through Otakon, he works uh, He works at a school and he, his, a bunch of his coworkers wanted to buy our shirts for their kids. And I was like, okay, whatever. So he told them the shirts were 25 bucks each. And he sold a bunch of them at that price. So he just hands me this fistful of money. Um, and that was probably like two months ago. And every time he comes over, we always forget to give him the shirts. Oh, man, we got to get that and out I'm afraid, there. We're selling our name. I'm afraid that... Yeah, but these people don't even know the name. They were just like, oh, baby bomb on a t-shirt. I want to give that to my kid. Got to do it, Dave. And then kids are going to be like, the other kids are going to be like, where'd you get that t-shirt? Like, I don't know. What's, what's it about? I don't know. It's <laughs> vaguely racist, but not really. It's people pretty racist. suck it up. <laughs> um, so anyway... The email says, Hoagies, what do you think is the best slash worst kind? Best slash worst kind of hoagie. Um, the worst kind of hoagie? The worst. I don't know. I don't know that I've had a bad hoagie ever. I'm not going to say Italian because Italian's all right. But if you kind of take Italian-style hoagies to their logical conclusion where it's just heaps of different meat and toppings just jammed onto a loaf of bread yeah like where you just get 
you know, I would say seven like, different types of cured meat <laughs> and like turkey and ham, which usually is cured, I guess. The worst kind of hoagie are the ones that have like two pounds of meat on them. Even like one pound of meat is probably too much on your hoagie. And I know the purists out there are going to tell me I'm crazy. I can't even think of... I'm trying to convert a pound of meat as you would buy in a deli. It's way too much meat on a hoagie. They put it on and you're just like, I can't even close the sandwich. And then you eat it. And I mean, I guess they taste all right. But it's just like, this is just too much meat. Why does there need to be this much meat on the sandwich? And I'm down with meat, guys. I get it. But if I'm having a sandwich, it's okay if I can taste the other parts or that it even has other parts. Like if you go to a Koch's <laughs> Deli, it's like it's only yeah. meat. They don't even put lettuce or tomatoes on it. They're not even pretending. Well, that's the thing about yeah, Koch's. You got to be. You got to realize like, okay, I'm gonna eat this over three, maybe four sittings because that's the only way my body will not go into shock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like the yeah. I want to call one and of on those top like, of a that, colon like, disaster. They lump like potato salad or something ridiculous like that onto the hoagie. Oh, you're just trying too hard at that point. Let the hoagie be a hoagie. It doesn't need yeah. all this other garbage. That's like people that like, oh, you got to get those sandwiches that have French fries in it. You know what? No, I don't. How about I have my French yeah, fries on I've, the side never where they belong? Never that. Jerry would always be, oh, man, it's like a hoagie, but it's a hoagie made of hot dogs. It's got french fries and cheese whiz in it. <laughs> they knit the hot like, dogs together that with french nasty. fries. And I like all those things. <laughs> they call it a Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm not a fan of tuna, so I'd probably say the tuna hoagie is my least favorite of the mm. hoagie varieties. And I also feel like uh, tuna, that's not a good meat for hoagies. Well, I feel like if I was going to have a tuna hoagie, I would just have a chicken salad hoagie. Yeah, you're probably I'd be happier something. with that choice. I'm going to say for best hoagie, I don't know if this would necessarily stand up to peer review, but I think best hoagie is the cheesesteak. <laughs> if that can be technically classified as a hoagie, which I feel like it can. I'll let it stand. It's on the same type of roll most of the time. Yeah, I don't know. If we're, if we're broadening it, uh, I don't even know if really, any kind of like one of the long varieties of sandwiches, I would say an Italian pulled pork sandwich with block, broccoli rob on it. Yeah. Oh, man. That's some good That's stuff. That's whenever, whenever people ask me about hoagies in Philly, I tell them to go to Tony Luke. And I'm like, I think they have pretty good cheesesteaks, but we would always get the pork sandwich with the broccoli rob. And that was really good. Yes. And, and it, like, it has broccoli on it. So your brain thinks for a second that this is good for me, but your body is all the time aware that it is continuing <laughs> to kill itself. Broccoli is like 70% salt. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, I don't even want to think about how bad Broccoli Rob is for you. That's the only thing that keeps yeah, me going back to the Knicks. In the terminal, if you're ever in downtown Philly near the uh, Reading Terminal yeah. Market, check out the Knicks. They make a mean sandwich. My coworker went there, and he was like, we went to the reading terminal. I was like, listen, buddy. <laughs> Just punch him in the mouth. stabbed down there. Have you ever even played Monopoly, you idiot? Nobody <laughs> yeah, calls no, it the on. reading railroad. What is this? Yeah, Lamar well, Burton? I, oh, man. I just got the reading railroad. <laughs> Take a look. It's in a that's how, uh, reading that's railroad. That's how most games of Monopoly end. Somebody says reading railroad, and then they just get shot. <laughs> and they were the banker, so you can't distribute any more money. <laughs> Them's the rules. I've got to get out of jail card. Not off, son. I was standing in the elevator yesterday, and a girl walks in holding 
a bread bowl clam chowder. No, she didn't. <laughs> I was like, what? I hope you brought enough I mean, to I, share. Yeah, exactly. I, I was texting Grotz while I'm standing right next to her. And she was like, okay, take it. And I was like, let's beat her up. <laughs> oh, that was my favorite. Uh, one of the like diner things in college that was part of the college had a spinach soup and a bread bowl. It was pretty freaking good. There's there. I can't think of a soup that would be made worse by the addition of a bread bowl. Yeah, you're probably right. I'm, I'm done. Like even something, even the simple tomato soup. I bet there are some soups that aren't quite thick enough, and they would just sort of seep into the bread immediately and destroy yeah, it. That that would be my concern because if it gets all super mushy, where if you have a thick soup like chowder, which is why it's intimately suited for it, it's kind of gonna keep it together and the bread itself will still be tasty the one thing i will say about the bread bowl and the clam chowder is you actually have to be a fisherman in the 1800s for that meal to be appropriate for your lifestyle because there's no way (laughs) you burn enough calories in the day to justify (laughs) eating something like that hard day ice fishing for crabs (laughs) it's like I better have some clam chowder so I don't collapse from exhaustion. That's <laughs> like I just spent three months at sea. I need something that is going to be like the most carb-filled thing you've ever eaten in your life. Well, we've got this clam yeah, chowder. Let me get it out of the draw. I don't like words that end in ah. <laughs> oh, they like them. They just say them differently. So the the second part of this guy's email is pork roll, yes, no. What is that? That's not even a question, right? I, Are it, we talking it like is a Chinese in the literal pork definition. bun? No, 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 no. Like pork roll, like the processed sausage meat. I don't really know what that is. I'm ignorant of this. I'm trying to. It comes in like a a roll shape. Uh, it will sometimes be found on breakfast sandwiches. I. I would say resoundingly in the maybe, because I don't think there's... <laughs> if I could use two, uh, you know, incongruous terms here, resoundingly maybe. <laughs> yeah, well, it's right in the center. Uh, you just think about... It It squeaks by... I don't know, sort of by... It's never been tested, basically, because pork roll is okay... Like, it's fine. It's not great. It's not at the level of spam. But anywhere where you can get pork roll, you could just get a sausage egg and cheese or bacon egg and cheese or something with real meat. Yeah. So I, don't, I just don't think you'd ever actually order the pork roll. Like I, I think I've probably had it once or twice in my life as a larf. Like, if there's when I would one go to the area food trucks. of, like, the meat phylum that I've not, you know, delved into deeply, it's breakfast sandwiches. I usually don't like to eat meat with breakfast. Even bacon. Really? Yeah. Oh. I mean, I like bacon. Don't get me wrong. But bacon is, like, solidly a brunch food for me. When I wake up, I I want starches and fruits. I'm not really a fan of anything greasy. If I could spend my my whole life eating breakfast sandwiches, I would feel pretty all right. (laughs) (laughs) You you can't. Dave, I don't want to alarm you, but you live in a place called America. Where everywhere you go, there's a place selling a breakfast sandwich. It's true. You don't have to walk that far. <laughs> or really at all. They'll, they'll deliver them to you. But those are the questions. I hope we've answered them to satisfaction. You, uh, you've been playing any games? Actually, yes, I have. 
I purchased the game for a single dollar because somebody called it the greatest role-playing game of the year. That person being, of course, a liar. Uh, but the game is called Breath of Death. It's like an old, uh, I don't even, uh, maybe 8-bit, maybe slightly more, possibly 16-bit uh, straight-up RPG that was produced by an indie game developer. It's pretty yeah, fun. Yeah, I, I remember uh, seeing that on the websites. So it's just like straight-up 8-bit RPG style. Yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, it's not terrible. Um, you, it kind of has the view where when you enter battles, you're facing the enemies. The yeah, know, the game is really. I would probably only call it good because I am experienced with the subject matter. If I was like a 13 year old and somebody tried to hand me this game and said, "Play it, it's good," I would think this is the most boring game I've ever played in my life. <laughs> I just read a a blog article where. Some guys, like a professor, he teaches about games. Yeah, and, that was you know, on Kotaku. He, he assi- I read that one, too. Oh, you saw it, too? So he assigns his students Ultima, Ultima 4, yeah. <laughs> and they just can't figure it out. Which, And it's funny because he's like, well, I assigned them all these older games, but they have analogs. So even if it's not really a direct parallel in gameplay, there are enough hooks that they can sort of just figure their way along. But Ultima just mystifies them, and they have no idea what to do. <laughs> I mean, Breath of Death is nowhere near Ultima. It's way more accessible because it is, you know, just, you know, walk around, find stuff, fight stuff, buy stuff. Um, weird, kind of lame story. It's just really all the games that you played when you were a kid. It's like if somebody were still producing uh, Fantasy Star RPGs, that were in the style of the original Fantasy Star, it would be kind of like Breath of Death. I think the thing is, if you gave me a game like this now, I would be like, what the hell are you doing? I'm going to go play Halo. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me, I got to know, does it do that thing like in Dragon Quest where when you click on a space, it then brings you up a menu of all the things you can do in that space? Like. Nah. You just so you hit the A button and it just does whatever is appropriate. Like it talks to somebody or it searches the dresser. Yeah, well, it will. Like, okay. I mean, yeah, it's just like an old RPG in that way. So if there's an object okay. that can be interacted with, you can walk up to it and hit A. Like there's this one part of the game that takes place entirely in a graveyard, and you walk up and you click on all the graves and they'll say something. Now, granted, okay. they all say, like, like, the same thing. The guys, I mean, it's clearly an indie game because they didn't invest a lot in little things, like programming individual text for the different gravestones. It's more like you get to an area and all the gravestones say the exact same thing. And I read all of the gravestones because... <laughs> you were just like, if I don't, one of these might say something different. Or, you know, yeah, I might get something. And that's old school RPG. I have to check that everything. Because if I don't, I'm going to miss something. And it's not like, you know, it's this big world where there's like, you walk into a mall and there's a million objects to interact with. It's like, no, the screen shifts once. And there are like a maximum of 13 things on the screen to look at. Yeah, there are two people, a tree, three (laughs) barrels, and four squares of water. At (laughs) least we think it's water. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and there's all those like nondescript texture choices. You're just like, I don't even know what this is supposed to represent. I only know that I cannot walk through it. Is this grass? Is this grassland? Is this 
hay. It was that a horse? The days where you're like you're looking at something, and back in the day, like old school games, they wouldn't have the invisible walls, but they'd have something that you would like clearly be able to jump over. It's like, oh no, I can't transgress this hedge, even though you know yeah. I'm a level 18 warrior with a sword, and I'm pretty sure this sword would do foot. quite the number on this old hedge. Little knee knee high stone wall. Yeah. <laughs> Classic style, like wooden slat fence, yeah. insurmountable. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's just it's it really uh, it just it it awakens all those old feelings in me. Uh, it's pretty fun. It's uh, yeah, it's definitely if if you like old RPGs, you'll probably get a kick out of it. It's pretty straightforward. It, it uh, costs a dollar. Yeah, it only costs a dollar, which hey, that ain't bad. Of course, I mean, it's basically what you would. Normally downflowed for free from a fan site, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I definitely count it as worth a dollar. I've already played it enough that it uh, it justifies well, that yeah. expenditure. Even for a dollar, like if you get any amount of enjoyment out of it. Yeah, I mean, it, I even had to chuckle because I died once, and then I realized that there were actually save points in this game, and I had wandered very far, <laughs> and that was all gone. I was like, ah. The right. days of this my is how it used to work. <laughs> uh, we're playing Dead Rising Two, which is basically Dead Rising One, but a little more fun. So it has a lot of the issues that come along with that. So this is probably the only game you will hear me say we should probably stop and save <laughs> because <laughs> it does not mess around if you die. It's one of those games where you just be like, well, I'll come back to you in a couple months, Dead Rising 2, after the sting has worn off. Like, even Deadly Premonition gives you checkpoints. Oh, Dead Rising is is not that generous? No. You go back to your original save, or you start the game over. That is one of the options. It's like, well, you could go back to your original save, or you could uh, just start a new save file right now and keep your experience. It's like, no. Wow. This is some, like Faustian. <laughs> yeah, deal with the devil here. What have you wrought? But, like, that was the way people played Dead Rising 1. It's like, yeah, you know, you fool around for a while, you have your fun killing the zombies, you get a couple levels, and then when you feel like you're ready, you uh, go back in and start playing the story for real. Why would they do that? Like, Is it just because they have to grind? It, see, I don't ever remember doing that. I feel like I, I probably like futzed around for a couple hours and then started over and then played it for real and it wasn't that hard because the, the whole game is on a time limit. And really oh. what's important is, is understanding how the time limit works. Because to get the good ending, you have to solve a certain amount of cases by being in certain places at certain times and doing the right things. Uh, and the cases are divided into parts. So the most important thing to know is that when it shows you how much time you have left, that is not for the part of the case, that is for the whole So you might be off wandering around doing like little side quest things and be like, oh, it says I still have six hours until I have to do this thing. But that is six hours for you having to do five things. So you'll be like, I'll wait until the bar is flashing red and then I'll go deal with the story. And then you realize that you have failed and the truth is lost forever. (laughs) 
And that's when you're like, oh, well, I guess I got to restart. Yeah. Or I could just hang out in this mall and kill zombies, which is pretty much just as fun as seeing the actual story. Wait, so you can just play it perpetually? Um, the game will eventually end. Like you, there, it lasts for seventy-two game hours, which is X amount of real time. I don't know. Uh, when that ends, you will get an ending, but you can carry your character over, so you can just start a new save and just go right back at it. And just keep on exploring and murdering zombies. Well, that's kind of a cool little mechanic. I didn't. I never played the original Dead Rising. I guess that's sort of a deficiency. I should check it out. It. Uh, I could also loan that to you. I still got it. It's. Uh, yeah. it, it is fun, but it is. You just have to be willing to deal with its idiosyncrasies, which are legion. Well, that's all right. I mean, I've played a lot of games that are like that. Basically, all the games yeah. I like are like that. I don't like um, games that are you know polished and good. <laughs> they do replace the annoying and basically pointless photography mechanic of the last game with the super sweet and awesome combination mechanic where I'm going to say bordering on the majority of items in this game can be combined with another item and you will just get nonsense combinations like <laughs> nails plus baseball bat. We all know where that's going. Flashlight plus gems gives you a lightsaber. All right. I I guess I can buy it. It's a little weird, but fine. I don't care because uh, awesome. The best thing we've found so far, you combine an, a fire axe with a sledgehammer, and it just gives you something called the defiler. <laughs> <laughs> what is it just like an axe and a, a sledgehammer taped together? Yes. It is just, yeah. It, it is... In fact, literally taped together. <laughs> it is just a, awesome. two axes duct taped to a sledgehammer. <laughs> Dude, you can't go wrong and with I've, that. I've seen things in promotional screenshots where it looks like you combine a novelty-sized stuffed animal with a machine gun to get a turret. <laughs> so you have a six-foot-tall stuffed bear with a machine gun taped to it. Or you could put machine guns on a wheelchair. Well, as if the uh, the zombie apocalypse wasn't terrifying enough. Now you're strapping machine guns to stuffed animals. Oh yeah, the, there's. I found a giant rhino yesterday, or hippo, or something. Elephant, I don't know. Some like, sort of gray skinned. I don't even want to think about mammal. all the crap I'm going to strap to this. Yeah, I was just I was just beating up zombies with it, <laughs> and I already know like we completed the first case successfully. I think there's probably like four or five. So we got a little downtime until the next one happens. But I know it's just going to go off the rails because we have to keep reining ourselves in and be like, look, I just found a store where you can put on hip-hop attire. And now my dude is wearing a gold chain and a shirt that says Prophecy of Hip-Hop XXL. And the store next door was a hat shop where I found a coonskin cap. So you're just you're basically. And that's how I'm rolling now. You're just waiting for, uh, like, to find a CD store where they'll let you do the Humpty Hump? Yeah. It'll be set for <laughs> that life. That would be awesome. Grotz is, the way the co-op works, you're just playing one of the, two of the same guy. And so Grotz found a, uh, a fetching tube top and jean skirt number. <laughs> but the dude's still wearing, like, his motorcycle boots. Dude, that sounds hot. Yeah. Well, it's funny, because all this stuff... 
reflected in the cutscenes. So <laughs> you're saying brilliant. something serious, but you're wearing like the hip hop gear or being a transvestite, which is fine. I wish that it would change your personality. I know that that's asking way too much, but it would be awesome like in the yeah. cutscenes if you're like, word, uh-huh. Yo, we I just, heard that. We, we just need to wait until the people of our generation become super, super rich. Because at some point, one of these super rich people who will be sufficiently nerdy enough to just want to make a game that does stuff like that. And he's going to have infinite money, so he just will be able to. So you're going to get something like Mass Effect, but it's actually going to be like millions upon millions of choices. Because <laughs> he's just going to have the bankroll. He's going to be like, well, I hired 25,000 people. This game's going to cost me $2.3 billion, <laughs> but whatever, I'm rich. I invented the next Facebook. Yeah, I could have I could have donated some money to the Newark school system or UNICEF, but I decided, you know what, yeah. I'm going to make a pretty bitchin' video game instead. Listen, if the army can spend this much on a fighter jet, then I do this with a clear conscience. You want to know what's crazy? I was listening to the radio today, and they were talking about the budget that the army and the marines and the air force and the navy have for their bands. It's hundreds of millions of dollars for the for band. their bands. I'm like. For, for, like, the marching band or for, like, yes. the Army's like, underground rock band? No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're like, you probably never heard of us. It's mostly just, just called, this one general, you know, bankrolling his son's, you know, post-rock band. What do they call that? Nepotism? Like bloat? No, no. Like, what's it called with the, when they talk about, like, the $55,000 toilet seat? Oh, I think that is called there's bloat. Like a, there's a specific word for it. It's not remember. pork, right? Pork no, is, pork is when you put like extra stuff on a bill. I don't know what that you're talking uh, about then. So what what is the budget of the army band? It's seriously like four hundred million dollars. How many people is it like? It's tons. There's more like than one band. Hundreds That's the issue. and hundreds. There's oh. not just one army band. It's like every brigade or battalion, however the army is broken down, might have a band. There's like the <laughs> engineering band. Can we just like? Go regress to the days of like the little drummer boy, <laughs> like you yeah, have, what like about, a flute with your battalion? Yeah, yeah I want to have like yeah. What, let's go back to the revolutionary days. Your band is a dude carrying a flag who got shot. Another dude playing the yeah. drums with a bandage on his head, and some little kid with a flute who will will be incredibly <laughs> sad for the entire nation when he gets blown up by a suicide bomb because he was marching in front of an armored convoy. I'll tell you what, the death of one child is going to do a lot more for your patriotism. Then four four hundred million dollars will, and then you can use that money to train up the school can system and get these more Taliban? children. They hate fife music. What? Yeah. I mean, I wasn't that angry before when they apparently hated my freedom and my way of life. But fife music, <laughs> this will not stand. Well, really, honestly, you might as well just consider fife music part of way of life. I can. I think that, like you know, I. I'd never made the distinction before. As a strict constructionist, I understand that fife music is guaranteed by the Constitution. I, let's not quibble over what we think the founding fonder, fathers might have wanted for us <laughs> when we know that they were into some serious fife music. Look at this painting of, uh, nothing, of Ben nothing Franklin. Nothing goes better with fathering dancing. illegitimate children with your slaves than fife music. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, that's It was... It was often called the worst profession. <laughs> it's uh, like, come here, Fife. 
Play me a song. No! I want to protect my virtue. Get in here, boy. Oh, God. You'll be playing Fife in the Navy. Do you know what buggery means? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, you will. <laughs> you will. Now play some Fife. Uh, so yeah dead rising 2 sounds pretty sweet the only combination thing i've seen is the oars and the mini chainsaws into like the i don't even know what you really call them yeah that happened that's they call it a paddle saw (laughs) it it does as advertised (laughs) it paddles and saws can you combine saws with other saws uh no oh bs but Saws have a myriad of applications. I'm pretty much certain you can put them on motorcycles. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've seen pictures of that. And the handlebars have saws sticking off the end. Yep. That's innovation. Some of, them are, some of them are just nonsense. Like, I was told of one today where you stick dynamite in a hunk of meat, and then you just throw it at the zombies and see what they do. Pro tip. They blow themselves up on the hunk of meat because <laughs> there was a stick of dynamite in it. It's kind of like the pipe bomb in Left 4 Dead. Yeah, they all go after it, and then it's too late. Speaking of which, they're putting out that new DLC next week. It doesn't even matter. I'm never playing Left 4 Dead again. I realized, like, I was just talking to Classic, who is a... Cl- I think he's Classic DMS on the forums, although he is never posting ever. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, he was one of the people that we always played Left 4 Dead with, and he mentioned that very thing. He's like, "Yeah, we never played Left 4 Dead too," and I was like, "Yeah, but we played a lot of Left 4 Dead one. <laughs> <laughs> Some might uh, say too much. We crack it open from time to time. I mean, we only play campaign, but advanced campaign is actually kind of challenging in two, so it feels a lot more rewarding. Where I got tired of it the advanced campaign in one after like one or two times through each map because they were so easy yeah the it 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 started to become that you would play versus just because otherwise it took you like 20 minutes and you could just run through the entire map yeah because the zombies were not that fast people people would do it sort of as a cool down like after we got done raiding but nobody really wanted to go to bed yet and be like oh let's play left for dead and i got real tired of the first one really fast (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because it was just so easy. Yeah. Uh, and and I never skilled up to expert because the, the gap between advanced and expert was huge. Well, the gap between advanced and expert was memorizing the location of closets and then just hunkering down and meleeing your way out yeah. of every mob. Well, it's just like, you know, in advanced, you can get hit and it's not ideal, but you can get hit a little. In expert, you can never get hit. <laughs> Like you you have five hits. Every swipe takes off 20 of your life. So, you know, advance is a little tougher in two. And it, it brings in some things that were issues with the first game. Like, there was no ammo management in the first game. There were piles of ammo everywhere. So you never had to save ammo. But in this one, you need to be a little more cautious. And, you know, that's mitigated by the melee, melee weapons. weapons. Yeah. And, yeah. And the Desert Eagle, which is just absurd. Um <laughs> But still, I, I'm I'm looking forward to it well enough. I never really got into Left 4 Dead, but it's kind of fun to do from time to time. And the last one they put out was many months ago, so it's been since then that I've played it. So I'm ready. 
Yeah, they're finally getting around to publishing something beside more hats for TF2. Yeah. Or golden wrenches or whatever else they do. Or not working on Half-Life 3 or Episode 3. I mean, I guess they are working on it, but who would even know? (laughs) Yes. Maybe they keep working on it, but then they come in the next morning and Gabe Newell has eaten all the code because he thought it was a cracker. They're like, oh, come on, Gabe. We're never going to publish this game. He's like, but it tastes so good. Yeah. You want to end it? Yes, it's time. That's fine, because I should beat Deadly Premonition and also eat my new sandwich. Oh, snap. All right. Let's clap. Do it. One, two, three. Excellent. Upload this and see you on Friday. <laughs>